Chapter Seven of Women of the French Revolution by Winifred Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Seven, women at arms. Quote, Quoique je soyons une femme, oh, je sentions dans notre cœur que je pouvions comme un homme avoir tant de valeur quand sous le brave Lafayette on est sur des lauriers, hommes, femmes, enfants, tous veulent être guerriers. La Gazette des Halles a leading frenchwoman of to-day when she was asked whether she were a feminist i e whether she desired the recognition of equal rights and equal duties between men and women she replied as to rights yes as to duties take care lest they should imply military service lest instead of giving life women should take it the women of the revolution far from being troubled by any such scruples demanded the right to take life in the service of the cause to which they were devoted when madame roland's friend lantenau welcomed terroir to the jacobin club and praised passive resistance in women not many of his feminine hearers can have agreed with him and certainly not she whom they had met to honour for terroir only a few minutes before had been advocating war as the best way to establish the revolution madame roland though she would have disapproved of women fighting was a militarist who did not scruple to advocate even civil war olympe de gouges went further and claimed women's right to wield the sword she regretted that when women had been taught the art of kindling war that of waging war had been denied them olympe as early as seventeen ninety one announced her intention of organizing a woman's legion the next year she attended the fete of the federation at the head of a body of women all fully armed and she looked for all the world like a trumpet major said a contemporary newspaper but neither she nor her women legionnaires as far as we know ever made use of their weapons though once when an editor presumed to ridicule one of her pamphlets olympe summoned him to fight her in a duel with pistols i will give you the advantage of firing first she said for i am persuaded that your trembling will make you miss me but this duel like many another piece of revolutionary braggadocio never came to pass in one of her pamphlets olympe proposed that women should form themselves into a bodyguard to protect the queen later women did form a bodyguard to protect robespierre and this at a time when he was being threatened by members of their own sex one of whom the royalist cecile renaud was accused of having tried to assassinate him one of the first acts of the women's republican revolutionary club on the twelfth of may seventeen ninety three was to send a deputation to the jacobins to demand the arming of all patriotic women between the ages of eighteen and fifty who should be formed into a regiment to fight against the royalists in la vendee pauline leon who as we have seen was the club's first president and tirouin de mericourt both attempted to form regiments of women tirouin had returned from her austrian dungeon all on fire with military ardour barely had she received her ovation from the jacobins than she turned her attention to the training of her sex in military prowess her faubourg st antoine club was to have been a club of armed women on the twenty fifth of march at the club des minimes in the st antoine quarter tirouin made one of her eloquent speeches it was a call to arms open a list of amazons she cried come and drill three times a week on the champs elysees the women responded in considerable numbers they assembled on the place louis xiii where tirouin presented them with a banner the anti-revolutionary papers did not fail to make fun of all this one of them le petit gautier said that in the burning heat of her military fervour tirouin's false moustache becoming unstuck had fallen off and been lost 
before the end of the month a petition signed by more than three hundred women was presented to the legislative assembly legislators it began women patriots present themselves before you to claim the right of every individual to provide for the defence of his life and liberty everything seems to augur a violent and imminent shock our fathers husbands and brothers may perhaps fall victims to our enemy's fury are we to be denied the satisfaction of avenging them or of dying by their sides after a long harangue in which the women assured their hearers that their object was not to neglect domestic duties but merely to place themselves in a position to defend their home should the need arise the petitioners went on to make specific demands one permission to provide themselves with pikes pistols swords and even guns two to meet for drill on the champ de la fédération or some other suitable place on sundays and holidays and to nominate former french guards as their officers besides this petition of the three hundred the assembly the commune and the clubs were constantly receiving offers of military service from individual women these offers like that made by claire lacombe when she first arrived in paris in july seventeen ninety two were generally received with applause but on one occasion they met with a different kind of reception the legislators to translate their rejoinder very roughly practically replied but why all this fuss why do you not enter the army if you want to there are no laws to prevent you doing so and indeed those women who were really in earnest in their desire to fight quickly went about their business and without any petitioning of the assembly as we shall see later they disguised themselves as men and entered the army where two of them at least did valiant service there they fought like men with masculine weapons they scorned those fantastic feminine pikes which with their wooden handles carved to represent a laurel branch bearing a cap of liberty may still be seen in the carnavalet museum the women who in paris and the provinces formed themselves into regiments seem to have been mainly concerned with designing banners and elaborate uniforms white coats with red ornaments blue hats with white feathers and broad tricolour belts yet after all this ostentation not one of these feminine regiments ever came under fire one woman manette dupont told the convention that she had nine hundred citizenesses disguised as men ready to set out to fight the tyrants of the nation on the frontier and on their behalf she petitioned the convention to organize a corps of ten thousand women and girls in the department of paris also to command shopkeepers to substitute women for men assistants manette's regiment was to bear the name fernig after two sisters who were then actually serving at the front you have allowed les demoiselles fernig to serve in dumouriez's army consequently you cannot refuse us manette pleaded the convention had indeed not only recognized as soldiers but had rewarded the valour of these enterprising demoiselles fernig it had presented them with two war-horses richly caparisoned it had decreed that the fernigs deserved well of their country and it had rebuilt at the government's expense their birthplace at mortagne near valenciennes which had been burnt to the ground by austrian soldiers but then the fernig girls had gone quietly to work without any blast of trumpets and without asking permission of any one not even of their own father these remarkable maidens were the daughters of louis joseph de fernig an alsatian nobleman born on the third of october seventeen thirty five he served with distinction in the seven years war from seventeen fifty five to sixty two and then renounced the army for literature the friend of voltaire he spent a year with a philosopher at ferney he married a woman of hainaut of good family and had by her five children a son jean louis joseph who became a soldier 
two daughters emmy and louise who married young and two younger daughters felicite and theophile with whom we are now concerned felicite was born in seventeen seventy six and theophile in seventeen seventy nine their mother died soon after theophile's birth on the outbreak of the revolution m de fernigue returned to his old occupation and became commander of the national guard of the valenciennes district in that frontier region the inhabitants and their property were daily exposed to the ravages of war felicite and her sister hardy lasses renowned throughout the countryside as excellent horsewomen and first-rate shots felt their martial ardour inflamed as they heard their father returning from his military expeditions tell of the ravages committed by the austrians it seems to have been the news of the french defeat at longwy in september seventeen ninety two that finally decided the youthful mademoiselle fernigue to don the military clothes which their brother serving in another part of france had left behind him and with the connivance of some of their friends officers in the army to join their father's company without his knowledge their disguise was apparently so complete that de fernigue did not even recognize his own daughters when in one engagement they intervened to save his life how long he would have remained in ignorance it is impossible to say but one day general bernonville reviewing de fernigue's company espied two soldiers who seemed particularly anxious to escape his notice this intrigued him he called them out and questioned them now at length their disguise failed them and their shrill voices betrayed their sex what the commander felt when the discovery was made is unknown but he cannot have been displeased with his daughter's heroism for he allowed them to remain in the army bernonville reported his discovery to his commander-in-chief dumouriez who made them his aide-de-camp and bestowed such commissions on their father and brother as kept all the fernigues together elles savent bien tuer leur homme bernonville reported to the convention dumouriez described them to madame de genlis as audacious and fearsome soldiers they became the object of the respect and admiration of the whole army and until april seventeen ninety three fought in all dumouriez's battles valmy jemappe anderlecht and nirwinden the general would point them out to his soldiers as a happy augury of victory according to madame de genlis he loved to tell of the courage they displayed on more than one occasion how felicite was with the duc de chartres afterwards louis philippe during his most perilous enterprises how theophile in an engagement near brussels when an enemy officer summoned her to surrender with one pistol shot stretched him at her feet how at jemappe when with a handful of horsemen she was attacking a hungarian battalion with her own hand she took prisoner and disarmed the most formidable of the grenadiers he was so tall that even on foot says madame de genlis he towered over his captor on her horse incredible though both sisters were below the average height but dumouriez's favourite story was of theophile's capture of a huge austrian whom she led to the commander-in-chief saying in her girlish treble general here is a prisoner i have brought you the piping voice staggered the austrian who was furious to find that he had surrendered to a girl when dumouriez went over to the enemy the devotion of the fernigue family to the general prompted them to follow him neither the convention nor the directory ever forgave them for this they were considered as emigres for the rest of their lives the convention visited the offences of two women in particular on women in general on may thirtieth seventeen ninety three it passed a decree banishing from camps and cantonments all women useless to the army i e 
all who were not authorized to be there as washerwomen and vivandières women actually fighting were to be forbidden military service and given a passport and five sous a league to return to their homes though the fernigues occasionally visited paris and their native village of mortagne they were not allowed to reside in either place the utmost the directory government would do for them was to offer them domicile in the colonies and that they refused felicite married a belgian general and settled at brussels theophile did not marry she was the most original as well as the best-looking of the two madame de genlis met her during her wanderings while she was staying at sieck in holland with a monsieur de valence to whom theophile was at that time secretary she was then twenty-one and says madame genlis had the prettiest and most modest face and tiny delicate white hands she wrote a very fine hand and knew how to spell evidently a rare accomplishment in those days madame de genlis was charmed with her sweetness and equanimity and one day she saw for herself evidence of that unflinching courage of which she had so often heard from her friend dumouriez one morning when the men with their valets had gone out hunting the cook rushed into the salon terrified saying that a robber was in the kitchen doing untold damage straightway the sweet and gentle theophile assumed a warlike air and seized a walking-stick which happened to be in a corner of the room thus armed the heroine of jean map rushed into the kitchen where the thief threw himself upon her but theophile and the walking-stick soon reduced the burglar to beg for mercy which he received and then being released he fled from the house mademoiselle pernig returned to us says madame de genlis as calm and natural as if she had just performed the most ordinary action for the rest of the day i could not help looking at those pretty little hands which could be so brave and strong in moments of danger theophile's letters from amsterdam and elsewhere to a cousin an officer in bonaparte's army show her to have been lively sensible and something of a feminist men she writes have not a shade of that delicacy of feeling of which women are capable then quoting so she says her father's friend voltaire she tells her cousin that women are never false save when men are tyrants this ex-amazon was naturally an ardent admirer of the greatest of generals to her cousin then at venice she writes from amsterdam somewhat timidly wondering whether she dare ask him to do something for her that she desires with all her heart then taking courage she says i will risk it you have seen the hero bonaparte well this is what i want you to do to send me in your next letter a portrait of him which is a true likeness here we have nothing but caricatures which are ridiculous although these letters reveal nothing more than a purely platonic and cousinly friendship one wonders whether on theophile's part at least there may not have been a warmer sentiment when a wealthy husband is found for felicite one is also offered to the younger sister but writes theophile to her cousin i feel that the heart alone should be master that the heart alone should be consulted in so fundamental a matter and my heart has nothing to say in favour of this suitor at the same time she is her cousin's confidant he tells her of his love affairs when in the intervals between his campaigns he comes to holland they meet generally but not always in one letter theophile writes vous m'avez toute bouleversée why and how does not appear in january eighteen hundred three the correspondence ceases at any rate that part of it that has been preserved and published in eighteen eighteen theophile died at brussels where she was buried other women besides the fernigues without any bravado quietly took up their swords and fought 
at jemappe there were at least two other amazons catherine pochla and dulière both artillerywomen at lille a widow mary guillotte was a gunneress and when she came to paris the jacobin club invited her to sit on the president's right hand End of chapter seven